Step outside the comfort zone. It's time for the JoLynn Thomas Show. The show that doesn't just scratch the surface of the important issues. It gets to the heart of the matter. Here's your host, JoLynn Thomas. Mandatory minimum sentences are a recipe for disaster. I believe without question that if we want to give our criminal justice system a much-needed makeover, we need to look at sentencing reform, and we need to do it right now. Mandatory minimum sentences give prosecutors a lot of power. Essentially, prosecutors can determine how long somebody spends behind bars simply by the way they charge a particular crime. So changing the language, adding a little here and there, can ensure that somebody is going away for a very long time. And on the flip side of the coin, what happens with these mandatory minimum sentences is that they handcuff our judges. Judges have no power to use their discretion. They're not able to consider mitigating factors such as age or prior history. All those things are left out, and it is a one-size-sentence-fits-all. And that claims a lot of victims. Mandatory minimum sentencing affects millions of children in this country. There are folks spending unduly long prison sentences for nonviolent drug offenses. And their children and their families are left to pick up the pieces. Now, here's an interesting little side note about the effect of our criminal justice system. It has been shown that formerly incarcerated employees make between 10 and 40% less than workers who have never been locked up. So we create this system that essentially leads to a downward spiral. I believe that the best way to get people to consider the devastating impact of any policy is to share real stories. And that's what we're going to do today. Because facts and figures can be disputed by one side or the other. People can manipulate one argument to make it suit their agenda more perfectly. But you cannot argue with somebody's story. Stories tell the real tale. And that's why you often see people wanting to sort of disrupt the story. They don't want that emotion to come in because they want you to just look at the policy and be motivated by the fear that they peddle. Yes, fear is big business in the United States of America. Lots of politicians use fear to land themselves in positions of power. And they don't exactly tell us the truth about these policies. And then when it comes down to getting them to look at the devastating impact, they cower behind standard procedure. They don't want to see the truth. 
And let's face it, sometimes the truth is really ugly. But if we want to make a difference, we have got to do more than scratch the surface. We have got to get beneath the tip of the iceberg. We have got to look at the root causes of the problems. And we have got to find the courage to look at the real heart and soul of a situation, of a policy. We have to find the strength and the courage to face the ugly truth. Because we have no hope, no prayer of making a difference in our criminal justice system if we don't find the courage to face the truth. And the truth is that millions of children are experiencing pain and suffering unnecessarily in this country. It's time we look at it. So right now, I'm going to invite you to use your voice for good. This is an opportunity for you to do something that will make a difference. On the show page, there is a website, a website, vindicatevassal.org. And this is an effort that's going on right now, an effort to right a horrible wrong and to give a man who has proven he's worthy of it a second chance. I was informed about this story by a friend of mine, Michaela. She knew that I was into reporting and sharing these kinds of stories. She's a brilliant young woman, an excellent reporter, and she sent this on to me. She actually had gone to school with Todd Vassell's son and didn't even know about this till she saw this online. And she immediately shared it with me. And so I began working on this to bring this story to you and to give you the chance to use your voice to make a difference. So many times people sit back and they lack the courage to speak up because they convince themselves that their voice won't make a difference. But I promise you, you can make a difference. Sign the petition and speak up. Because when we all join our voices together, we can collectively send a message that it's never the wrong time to do the right thing. We can get the attention of those people who have the power to undo this horrific sentence. Let me tell you the story about Todd Vassell. He's 45 years old now, and he has spent 22 years behind bars. This all started in the South Bronx when he was a young boy, a teenager, 16, 17 years old. He came from a good family, a hardworking mother. And yet he was influenced by the elements in the streets of the South Bronx. He saw men in the neighborhood providing for their families, getting ahead, doing things, and these men took him under their wing. They became role models to him, and they showed him that he could be in a better position by just doing this. Was it right? Absolutely not. And Todd Vassell does not dispute that fact. But he was a teenager, 17 years old. He took a wrong turn. He ended up getting arrested. He bonded out. And then he went on the run along with the other 11 or 12 co-defendants 
the ringleaders of the group, all of them five to 15 years his senior. Well, when he eventually got caught, they offered him a deal. But I think you'll agree with me, it really was not much of a deal. They offered him 40 years. So he decided to roll the dice and take his chances, go to trial. None of the other co-defendants took their chances. In fact, prosecutors lured them with the promise of a lighter sentence if they would just testify against Todd. The young boy that they took under their wings and showed the ropes, all of them are out. They've done their time. But Todd Vassell remains behind bars. For 45 days of criminal activity that occurred when he was a teenager. And now he has been sentenced to die in prison. Here's the question of the day. Do you believe that that punishment fits the crime? Here's what I can tell you from interviewing over the years countless psychologists. We know that the human brain is not fully developed till somewhere between 25 and 28. Yet in this country, we don't really take that into consideration. I don't think any one of us would want to be judged today based on who we were when we were 17 or what mistakes we made with our limited life experience and knowledge. Yet Todd Vassell was thrown away for a mistake that he made at a young age. I think there could have been a much better option, but the judge's hands were tied because of mandatory minimum sentencing. The judge had no discretion to consider that there was no violence involved in this. This was a crime that I don't believe should have warranted a life sentence. It's heartbreaking. All of the people that have been affected by that one decision, a decision that came about because of the mandatory minimum sentencing guidelines that were born out of that get tough on crime and born out of an effort to perpetuate fear among Americans everywhere. Our lawmakers serve these policies up on a pretty silver platter. And they want us to partake. They don't want us to see what's beneath. Hey, don't really look at the impact. Just look at the pretty platter that I serve this on. We have to be smart enough to look behind beneath that and to realize that no matter how they present it, it is straight up ugly. And we can do better in the United States of America. Now, Todd Vassell has done a great deal while he's been on the inside. He has gained the respect of wardens and of professors. He is involved with the Inside Out program, a program that integrates youth, college students from the outside, brings them inside, and they engage in dialogue with inmates. This is a positive step, a program that is aimed at rehabilitation and at 
treating the root causes of what led somebody down a slippery slope. I want you to focus for a moment, if you will, on a historic Supreme Court ruling that came down in 2010. It was Graham versus Florida, and in that ruling, the court declared that the Constitution actually prohibits slapping a life sentence on juvenile offenders who have not committed murder. It says, look, essentially this is cruel and unusual punishment. You can't just throw juveniles away. We have to do better. And then just about a month, I believe, after that ruling, President Obama signed the Fair Sentencing Act. Yet despite all of that, the Supreme Court ruling and the Fair Sentencing Act, Todd Vassell continues sitting behind bars for this life sentence. But I'll tell you something. He's remarkable. He's accomplished a lot of good. He has created programs to benefit other inmates. He studies. He learns. He has not sat back and allowed himself to get bitter. My grandma used to always say, when life gives you lemons, make lemonade. And I'm telling you, Todd Vassell has figured out how to do that. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, don't go anywhere because we are going to speak to Todd Vassell. In fact, we're going to just forego that break right now, and we're going to get right to the phone line and speak to Todd Vassell. He's speaking to us from the prison in West Virginia. Todd, how are you today? Uh, I'm well, and yourself. Uh, it's been a long journey. I'm say that to begin with. Absolutely. Todd, I, I want to ask you, if you could... Go back in time and sort of talk to that 16, 17-year-old Todd Vassell. What would you say to him? Uh, so many things. I would say so many things. But for one, I would say that you don't have to rush to get home. You know, um, to be filled with zeal, with no direction, you know, they say it's a calamity waiting to happen. You know, I had a lot of ambition. I wanted to accomplish what I thought would be my station, help my family. I just didn't have all the tools to do so. And I gravitated to the first thing that came my way. And, that, and that, you that, you probably looked up to these men in your neighborhood. Yes, I mean, of course, you know, it was a different era in you. Look at success from a different paradigm, and you see flashy cars, you know, uh, money, status. You know, these things was was the only thing that was available. You know, and you gravitated to it. How you you ask yourself, how did they? Do? That basically would draw me in. It drew you in. What is your definition of success now, all these years later. That, 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 that is something that has grown out of pain and hardship. I mean, being able to see my son 
take a jump shot, you know, that would have been success. Being able to walk my sister down the aisle at a wedding, you know, to bury my grandmother, you know, just it, success now is a whole different, different, different ballgame, different ballgame. You know, being able to be with my family at simple moment, that would have been, that is what success right now. No. And Todd, you have two children and you've missed out on a lot of their life. Your son Dwayne had a basketball scholarship, just graduated from college. How have you been able to just get through that? Because it's got to be devastating to miss those precious moments. Yeah, I mean, more than devastating. Uh, actually, it's been one of the most painful things that I had to live with, you know, being able to raise my children through the mail, through the visits, through the barbed wire. I mean, it's, it's hard. And that was one of the, it is still difficult. Like I spoke to him a little while ago, but I basically tell him that I, I got to take ownership for the bumps and bruises that, you know, was occurring in his life by me not being there. I mean, it's, it's, it's painful. It's one of the most gut-wrenching pain that I must live with from, the, from here on out. Truly I understand that when you first got locked up, you had this realization, and it was your mother who sort of helped you. It was focusing on her pain that kind of served as maybe a, a wake-up call to instead of being bitter, put your energy towards learning and growing. Tell us about that moment of transformation. Um, for the most part, I mean, actually, it, it was a case manager. Like, in Leavenworth, he, because my mother would always call the prison when we go on lockdown. And he, she, he said something to the effect, like, your mother makes it hard for me to be professional. This call is from a federal prison. Um, I guess and when he when he kind of said it, you know, it made me understand that this is what this isn't a victimless crime. You know that by me getting incarcerated, you know, by me being away from my family, I also incarcerate them. So I mean, I it it, it just it just it begins to grow in empathy and. Understand that you take everybody with you. Everybody loves you. You actually take them with you on that journey. So at that point, I, I realized that I had to, you know, not dig deeper into a greater ditch, you know, but to try to find a way to propel and to throw out of that ditch. I mean, it just made, I took ownership. I had to take ownership of the bad and the good. I mean, I had to take ownership of my past and my future. I mean, I just had to take ownership. I just took ownership. And that, that's all I can say. I took ownership. You know, I, that, I took ownership. That's a, a powerful bit of insight. I think all of us, no matter what phase of life we're in, can benefit from that advice because we can't move forward if we don't take ownership if we don't decide to just heal the pain and move forward. And at the root of every emotion, there is some sort of pain. Sometimes anger 
we see that and we don't recognize that it's the pain that is at the root of that anger. That's right. That's right. I mean, and to run away from it, it only, it only, it only, it will, you exacerbate the, the, the problems that you find yourself with. You know what I mean? That that spiral of hopelessness will manifest itself in so many different ways. So, I mean, I took ownership and, and I just, I just propelled. I just tried to excel. I tried to excel in all ways, you know, and, and to be honest, the love of my family, of my, my friends, you know, and, 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 and my loved ones actually civilized me. It, it, it actually it humanizes me in a way that actually says, you know what, I can do this, you know, and I'm not going to let it define me. You know, it'll be a part of me, but it won't define me, you know. I love that. I've always, I've always believed that either we define the moment or the moment defines us. And as I look at all that you've been able to accomplish, you certainly have chosen to define the moment. What is it that you are most proud of? So far, I mean, your accomplishments are just incredible. But as you look at what you've been able to do over the past 22 years, what stands out as maybe your most cherished accomplishment? Uh, I mean, uh, uh, that's a difficult question because, you know, I'm not one to rest on my laurels. And I think that any individual who is driven by love, you can accomplish anything. You know, when just, I, 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 I can't put my finger on one thing, but to be able to stay connected to my loved one, I think that's a accomplishment under these circumstances. I think that's something to be cherished. Being able to understand that I'm a citizen. You know, I'm a returning citizen, soon to be returning citizen, that can add value to the community, you know, my family, society, I think those are the accomplishments that you're reaching for, you know, like the thing that, the drive that the small accomplishments has given me, you know, that's the thing that pushes me. You know, I, I look at it as, you know, like milestones, like you don't judge a marathon by, you know, the, the, the first milestone. Judge it when you finish the race. And I, I can't say one thing. It's a multitude of things. I, I would be doing a disservice if I just pointed out one thing. This is accomplished. I cherish this. This is something that is unprecedented for me, you know. So, you know, being able to learn from my mistakes is an accomplishment that I cherish. Being able to look myself in the mirror and say I was wrong on such and such day. I was wrong today. Being able to go to a gentleman or an individual and apologize, you know, just being a human in an inhumane situation, it's a multitude of different things that I, I, I can put forth, you know, so not just one thing, not just one thing. Love is a powerful thing, and I think you've done a great job of sort of illustrating the power of love and how it can propel you to greater heights. I'm going to be optimistic. 
I'm going to keep talking about this, Todd. We're going to urge listeners to get involved in this push to get people to look at your case and understand that this sentence was way too long. Real quickly, because we're almost out of time, what do you want to accomplish when you get out? I mean, at, at, at the end of the day, we need to have a real conversation in America about fear. We need to have a real conversation about pressing issues. And we can't squander human life, human capital, by putting forth policies that are fear-based. And this phone is about to disconnect. So, I mean, it's a lot, a lot. We need to Absolutely. Have a real about a lot of issues. That's what we need. And I think all of us can help to bring about that conversation. I couldn't agree more. Thank you so much, Todd Vassell. Having real conversations is how we make progress together. And don't forget, you can lend your voice to this cause. You can be part of making a difference. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk with some of Todd's loved ones. And we're going to talk with his mother and a cousin. We'll have much more right after this. Straight talk from a free thinker who is not afraid to call it like it is. This is the JoLynn Thomas Show. Wasn't Todd Vassell impressive? I love the clarity that he has. And I think he's a prime example of what transformation looks like. I saw this meme that really made me think about this case and about sentencing reform Here's the meme. Just because you had some bad chapters in your life doesn't mean the story can't end well. Think about it. When we start out reading a book, we don't stop reading it because chapter three is slow. We continue on. And in life, we all experience some bumps and bruises. But that doesn't mean it's the end of the story. Todd Vassell I believe, has done an incredible job of controlling the way that his story is written. He has chosen to own the past, but not let it define him. And that, to me, is so inspirational. We're going to talk to some of his family members right now. We have them on the line because one of the problems with mandatory minimum sentencing and the disastrous criminal justice system that doesn't really focus on rehabilitation is the fact that so many innocent people become victims. And I loved how Todd pointed that out, that loved ones are sort of drug along on this journey. We're going to talk right now to his mom and his cousin. So we have on the line Lashana Pearl, his cousin, and Angela Daly, his mom, and I'm not sure, but I think we may have an aunt on there as well, Bridget Winter. So welcome to all of you ladies. Hello. Hello. How Hello. are you? Who who do I have right now? Uh, this is Lashana Peart, um, Todd's cousin, and I'm here with his mom, Angela Daly. Angela Daly. Angela Daly. Thank you so much for taking time to talk to me. I'll start with you, Lashana. Let's 
kind of focus on what you have seen throughout this journey. How has it changed the course of direction for your family? Um, well, first I want to start by thanking you for highlighting this case. It's been a, a long time coming that um, someone picked interest. Um, for my family, it's been very hard. We're an extremely tight-knit family. Um, Todd is my cousin, but we are more like siblings, and it's been a, a road full of exhaustion, um, constant changes as far as Todd being moved from facility to facility. And, you know, it, it's hard whether we're going through celebration or sorrow, just not that he's, you know, he's not present with us. So it's been very emotionally draining. I can't even imagine. LaShawna, we just heard from Todd, and he's truly impressive. The wisdom and the love that radiates from him, I think, is just something that makes you stop and think. And to think about that kind of potential being wasted away makes me sick to my stomach. I listen to him, and I can think about all the good that he could do getting out and mentoring young people and sharing life lessons and helping shape this much needed criminal justice makeover. What is it that you would like people to know most about your cousin? Well, the, the Todd that you just spoke with, that's, that's Todd 24 seven. He is a remarkable person. Um, and he has not let this dim his light. He's constantly encouraging us to do our best, to be our best person. Um, he's extremely lovable, intelligent. Um, and even in his own situation, he's always thinking about other inmates. He's always thinking about how he can improve the life of others. Um, and he inspires us because we don't maximize our 24 hours out here, but he's always, whether he's reading something on empowerment, financial empowerment, um, showing love to others, he's always using every tool at hand to equip himself to be better. And we want people to know that all the tools that he has under his belt is just to make him a more productive citizen out here if he's given the chance. You know, we're hoping for a commute of his sentence and that he can be out here because um, it is a disservice to the public that he's not out here on the other side showing them, you know, the way to go. He has a lot to give and offer to young, to young people, especially. I couldn't agree more. Uh, Angela, uh, Lashana, thank you so much. And we're going to continue encouraging people to, Sign that petition. When we get this to go viral, when we get people to pay attention, it's going to have a major impact, I believe, on getting that pardon attorney to really take a long, hard look at who Todd Vassal is today and what he could contribute to society. I want to talk now to Angela. Angela, as a mom, I cannot even begin to imagine your heartache and your pain. Yes. How have you been able to 
sort of keep moving forward in spite of this agonizing pain? From way down in my gut, my stomach, you know, makes me stronger every day because I, I love my son so much. And all of this, you know, for 22 years, it's very painful. Very I've got painful. Angela, I've got to believe that it makes you physically sick sometimes. Like sometimes, every day. Every day. Every day. Sometimes I get up to go to work, like, but I have to go. You know, I have to go. You know, and I, I just, it's, I'm so glad at this moment somebody, you know, see the light on this case and trying to help because it's so much to say and it become incombobulated, you know, I mean, you know, because this young man has turned into a wonderful young man in behind bars. Like every when he do call me, I said to him, "Son, you might in prison, but they doesn't control your brain." So I love that. You, you respect yourself, and people will respect you, and you respect other people. You you might in prison, but they doesn't control that brain of yours. So you're gonna yeah. do the right thing, what's not in the prison system in a human being system and carry yourself decent, respectable, and make those waters respect you. And he's been doing that. He certainly has. He has uh, letters of recommendation from wardens. In fact, one who's never, ever written a recommendation. He has the respect of professors. Everyone that meets him seems to understand that this is a guy who has an incredible light, a powerful sense of love for his fellow beings, and has the ability to show respect and to not be defeated by circumstance. Yeah, because he was brought up that way. He just, the system just grabbed him like a vacuum, you know, pull him in, you know, because of, because I didn't grow him up, to, all I, I grew him up to, you know, go to school, get an education, and to be a man. And he's doing that behind bars, which I love him. I love him to death. You know. Absolutely. He, he was, he was, he was brought up very disciplined. Very disciplined. But he's not the only young kid, the system I've old. That's right, and that's why. Kids. He has a lot of young kids that the system has hold and grab, and it's not just for my son alone. There are other kids, you know, need case to be here and then to be free. I'm asking for freedom and mercy, and by the good Lord, you know, you know, just freedom, just freedom. Give him a second chance. In this society, because we Angela. all not perfect, we all not perfect, but we could have a second chance in life. 
don't keep him in prison till my head's failing me and I'm gone. Give him a second chance outside of the box and, and free him. Angela, I couldn't agree more. Mercy is something that we need to bring into the criminal justice system. Yeah. Uh, yeah. These kinds of rigid policies kick common sense and compassion and humanity to the curb. And if we hope to make a difference, we've got to infuse compassion and humanity and common sense back into it. And we absolutely have to rely on mercy. There is power in mercy. And America is supposed to be a land of second chances. So it's time for us to put our money where our mouth is, for people to step up and right this ugly wrong. Angela, if you could have one wish right now, anything, what would it be? For freedom for my son. Today. Just freedom for my child and other kids too. Freedom. Yeah. Freedom. Angela, thank you so much. And we're going to continue talking about this. We're going to uh-huh. continue uh-huh. urging listeners to share this to sign the petition, and we're going to do what we can to make that wish come true for you. I am praying that it happens very soon. You're a lovely, lovely lady, and you deserve to be able to hold your son in your arms again, to be able to enjoy some precious moments with him. So we're going to keep doing that. May God bless you, and thank you. Oh, you're so welcome. It is my privilege. Thank you, ladies. We have Oneida Malcolm, a cousin on the line right now. We're going to talk to Oneida right now. Hello. Hello. How are you today? I'm well. Thank you. What is it that you would like for people to know? If you could share one message about your cousin Todd, about this case, about this injustice, what would that be? that he's um, an amazing man. He's always thinking about others and putting others before himself. He, um, you know, is always advocating and encouraging his fellow inmates. He's not always thinking about himself and and improving um, his abilities. He's always thinking about how he can improve um, their conditions as well. He's always thinking about his family and what he can do from where he is. It's not much, but he always finds something, some words of encouragement, um, you know, some information that he always wants to share with us. He always wants to be a part of our daily lives, even if it's just words of encouragement. Um, he's always there. He's, he's, he's a selfless, person. He's always just giving um, to others. And I, I think that that is so evident by what he has accomplished inside. He has not used this as an excuse to just sit back and be bitter. He has definitely put his energy into rising up and being the best version of himself. I think one of the things that's remarkable to me is the fact that he has created some great programming um, that centers on giving inmates hope. And yet, looking at his sentence, his sentence is a hopeless sentence. 
But he has not let that defeat him. He has lifted and strengthened members of your family and inmates and those around him. And I think that speaks tremendously to his character. And we are going to continue sharing this message. And I look forward to the day when Todd walks out free because I believe it's going to happen. We all just have to care enough to speak up. And that's my message to you. You can make a difference, every single one of you. You just have to open your mouth and have the courage to speak up. Oneida, thank you so much for taking time to speak with us today. Thank you. All right. God bless you. All right. We're going to take a quick break right now. But when we come back, we're going to talk to another cousin, and we're going to continue getting this story out there. I hope that you will take advantage of the opportunity to make a difference. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said, injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. Sometimes people sit back and they don't get involved because it doesn't directly affect them. But here is the truth. I promise you this is the truth. We all have to stand up against injustice because if we don't, we never really know when that injustice might come for us or someone we love. We'll be back right after this. Common Sense Talk with Compassion. This is the JoLynn Thomas Show. Here's JoLynn Thomas. Okay, so you know I love shattering stereotypes. I thrive on that. And I am willing to bet that after listening to Todd Vassell, our conversation with him, we shattered some major stereotypes. Because I think in this country, we get into this mindset of thinking we know what inmates are like. We know all of it, and we buy into stereotypes. Todd Vassell? You can't put him in a box. He has chosen to rise above circumstance. And I loved what his mother, Angela, said. She said, they can't imprison your mind. And that's the truth. If you're just joining us, we're talking about the case of Todd Vassell. He's 45 years old now. He has been behind bars for 22 years. The crime happened when he was 17. So essentially, 45 days of criminal activity landed him behind bars for life. That's right. Todd Vassell has been sentenced to die in prison. And that is absolutely despicable. We have to speak up. We have to gain the right amount of attention because he has so much potential. Imagine the good that he could do on the outside, lifting and strengthening and giving insight and wisdom. We're going to speak right now by phone to another one of Todd's cousins. This is Kareem Aljo. Hello there, Kareem. How are you? Hello. How are you doing? Good afternoon. Oh, good afternoon to you. Thanks so much for taking the time. Uh, Of course. Kareem, what is it that you would like people to know about the Todd that you know? Well, I would like people to know that um, he was he was 
well, we had two gen- three generations growing up in our family. Um, my grandmother, my aunts and uncles, and my cousins and myself. Uh, for us as the cousins, he was, I would consider him the rock of the family and um, the protector. You know, we, we grew up in a neighborhood in the South Bronx. And as siblings, and we had, you know, we, I consider us siblings. We had, you know, women. We had us, my cousin Dwayne, you know, and we never worried. We walked the, like, streets of the South Bronx fearless because of the fact that we had a protector like Todd. Todd would, he was very overprotective. He would make sure nothing would, we would never have to worry about anything on the streets. If I want to play freeze tag and just believe that freeze tag exists and that's it, there's nothing else going around, going on around me, then guess what? That's all I knew. I didn't know about the harsh realities of what was going on in my community because of him. And he's definitely protected me from that, us from that. And Kareem, I think it's remarkable that he has not used being locked up as an excuse to become disconnected from the lives of his family. Uh, I understand that he is constantly reaching out with words of encouragement and wisdom, and I think that's truly remarkable. His son, Dwayne, uh, I saw a little video piece uh, from Dwayne, and Dwayne said something that really connected for me. He said, you know, I don't really know what it's like to have a father. I don't know that feeling of having a father at my basketball games or or just having that normal relationship. What can you tell us about how Todd's children and how his mother have been impacted over the years? I mean, it's pretty much what that's that was it. You know, they that that absence, you know, but as a as a parent I don't even understand how I would be able to be so resilient like my aunt is. You know, she's been able to keep going, knowing that every day her son is confined in the penitentiary without a release date. And it's like, of course, as a parent, you question yourself. But at the end of the day, she keeps going and she doesn't let it stop her. And I know she cries every day, not in front of us because she's such a strong woman. But I, I, I know it hurts, you know, and as far as his children, it hurts them, of course, because, you know, um, they didn't get a chance to know the tie that we know, you know, and that I wouldn't and I and I almost said new. And I hate the fact that I was about to say that because you feel like you, you haven't seen him so long. So, he, you know, almost feels like he's not here, but he really is here. But we have so many memories with him and he was. He was a father figure to us, so I know that I feel like Dwayne and Isaac, they were, they were, you know, robbed of that opportunity for them to even understand Todd as that father figure. Cause like he said to you while I was listening, he had to be a parent through the mail and over the phone. Exactly. And, and that's one of the devastating impacts of cases like Todd and, and many other cases. Millions of children are victimized because of these rigid sentencing policies that defy common sense. Uh, Todd, if, I mean, Kareem, real quick, if you could send a message to those that are listening right now, 
what would you encourage them to do to help you guys out? Just if you can sign, if you can repost his, his, his website, vindicatevassal.org, if you could if you could bring some attention to it, to his case, because, again, this is an injustice. It's been 23 years, like you said, 45 days, and it cost you your life, you know, and it's just not right because I agree with you on what you said earlier. The, the the mind hasn't developed until 25, 28, and that's something that I teach in, with the youth that I work with now. I, you know, I work with youth that's, um, that come out of jail, and I let them know that I can't give up on you because you, your mind hasn't fully developed the way that it should be. So for me to judge you for who you are right now, that's, that's an injustice to me, and I, I'm motivated, and my inspiration comes from within my family because I know that I have a family member that is incarcerated right now because he's judged of who he was at 16, 17. He didn't get a chance to to show the adult version of him or who he said he is now as far as the guy that only sees being around family as important, uh, you know, going to graduation, things of that nature. So I, if you can, if you're listening, I, well, those that are listening, I hope you guys will please go to change.org and sign his petition. If you can repost it, or if you're on any form of social media, repost this, repost this program, and just bring bring a, a lot of attention. If you can, I'm asking, I'm begging on behalf of myself, my family, and of course, most importantly, Todd Basil. Thank you so much, Kareem. Very well said, and uh, I appreciate you taking the time. We have Catherine Marchman on the line right now. Catherine is Todd's friend and advocate. She's done a lot to get this campaign moving forward. Hello there, Catherine. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Uh, I am very good. We have really been able to get such a good sense from family about the impact and also about just the devastation that it has caused them. I want to ask you about the letters, uh, and we're almost out of time. Time has just flown by. Can you tell us a little bit about those letters uh, of recommendation that he's received from the wardens? I'm sure. Um, a prior warden of, um, of Todd, who was uh, at two different prisons that he's been in, is now retired from the Bureau of Prisons wrote a letter of support. Um, he told us that he's never written a letter of support for any inmate in his entire career um, at the Bureau. He has now recently been appointed as the chair of the West Virginia Board of Parole, actually. So he is now leading decisions for the state of West Virginia on making parole decisions, making reentry decisions for offenders. And um he wrote a letter of support a couple of years ago. We asked him for an updated letter uh, this past month, and he sent it, no questions asked, um, and said that he would make a follow-up call. Um, we have some other letters of support from two university professors who have been directly involved with the work that he has been spearheading inside the prison on reentry um, and educational programming. I think uh, myself included and all the members of the family you've talked to today have uh, reached into our own pockets at Todd's pleading to invest in educational programming at the prison where he is because the prison is, doesn't have the resources to do it. And Todd has been so committed to improving uh, educational opportunities, particularly around 
life skill development and ensuring that men are prepared when they leave prison to not return and that they have the skills that they need to not come back to prison and be successful on the outside. We have single-handedly, as a family, really helped to invest in those resources. Um, we bought course materials. Um, we rec- I recently purchased the um, electrical apprenticeship uh, exam material for the first class who took the state certification to become journeymen in the electrical trade that um, and Todd really single-handedly spearheaded that initiative. He was being very humble on the phone earlier and in, in not highlighting some of the key initiatives that he has spearheaded. Um, and one other thing that was really impressive was um, there was some educational classrooms that had been closed down in the prison due to violence. And because of the work that he has led, uh, the warden agreed to reopen those classes um, to allow educational programming to take place in there. Um, so classes and rooms that had been historically closed down um, were reopened because of the trust and respect that he had earned through the classwork and, uh, you know, educational programming that he's developed over time there. Catherine, thank you so much. He really, you're right, was very uh, humble. He has accomplished a tremendous amount. You can read more about that by going to vindicatevassal.org. We're going to post it right here on the Talk Zone episode page. Share this show. Pass it on because this is going to give people a chance to hear from Todd, to hear from his family, his advocates, and get a sense of why this case needs to be re-examined. The petition is almost ready to be submitted again. One petition has been denied uh, a few years ago. Now there's another one coming up. And the more attention we can get, the better the chances are. So please recognize that you have the power to make a difference for Todd Vassell and for his family. I hope that you will take that chance. And remember, despite the Fair Sentencing Act, despite the Supreme Court decision in 2010 that said it's unconstitutional to slap juveniles with a life sentence if they haven't committed murder, Todd Vassell remains behind bars for a nonviolent crime. We desperately need sentencing reform, and you can help lawmakers understand the importance of that. They listen. And when we all find the courage to join our voices together, our words really do pack a powerful punch and have the potential to make some much-needed changes. Again, you can find VindicateVassal.org right here at the Talk Zone page. Share it. Let's get this going viral so that we can help make Angela Daly, a lovely woman's dream come true. This woman deserves to see her son on the outside again. I'm Jill Lynn Thomas. Thanks so much for being with me. Share the program, share the website, and I'll talk to you again soon. Have a great day. <laughs>